he did it in segments and he didn't know that would be the end all be all. So he might'll do a little bit of singing and then a little bit of dancing and now it all comes together with Bruno Mars and I see a lot of that. Like as you were talking, the photography being a creative director, going at Goldsmiths, like I haven't heard Goldsmiths in a long time. I feel like if you were pre nineties, you don't know about Goldsmiths. <laughs> Right, that that was that was showing my age. Although I'm still young, but yeah, if you if you don't if you've never heard of Goldsmiths, you're definitely a, a new millennial. So now we're at a young Harrison. We're doing photography, uh, getting into uh, creative direction. We're 18. So what was your direction going to uh, into college? Were you a photography so- major or? So I just always at least thought that going into a creative study was not going to be the best suit for me because you always are told you need something to fall back on. So, which I'm so glad that I didn't go into a creative background. I went to college for marketing. Um, I was really, really good at advertisement. I was good at selling things in high school. I was in a um, marketing group called DECA. And we um, did competitions, and I ended up winning, I want to say, second place in my competition for my school. And it was just something I was really good at. Plus, I knew how to do graphic design, which I was self-taught, Photoshop. Don't ask me how. Um, I did an internship at Memphis Light Gas and Water, and I used to just stay in the graphic design department Um during my lunch breaks and I would just kind of watch it was two guys a black guy and a white guy they both had totally different styles of graphic design but they both just took the time to kind of just show me how to do certain things because I was always like a self-taught person I want to do it myself Mm -hmm. I want to cut the middleman out you know I want to get paid the most amount of money so how can I you know advance on all of these skills to get the final check I've always been like that so I'm like I feel like this graphic design skill is going to take me really really far so yeah started doing that and um it kind of just molded and morphed me into just being like this well-rounded individual when with the marketing you know background so I went to college I studied marketing um never really looked into photography as a background because I felt like I had already been there done that I had that experience Mm -hmm. and honestly again at that time of my life 18, 19 years old, and being from the South, I didn't have examples of people who were successful photographers, successful wardrobe stylists. So in my mind, I didn't realize that this is an actual career that you can make money off of and live off of. So I always was like, I got to go to work. I got to work a nine to five. I need a business job. This is something I'm good at. So that was my mindset. Is that what catapulted your, your move to New York? So it's funny, New York is just one of those places, and I think that we all have, like, this epiphany as, you know, we're growing up. The first time I learned about New York was in the third grade. Um, I was in social studies class. My teacher was Miss Sprott, and we were just going over the globe. 
Um, I don't even, I'm sure people still do that these days, but she was just going to different places on the globe. And we were talking about different cities within the United States. And when New York was brought up, it was just described as like this place of people with dreams. People go there to pursue like all of their fantasies and become successful in their fields. And that line just really stuck with me. Like in the third grade, I was like, New York is where I want to be. I was always a creative child. I went to a creative and performing arts elementary school, middle school, and I always would say I was creative. But again, you know, I didn't have examples of being able to benefit from being creative outside of just like church, school, maybe school plays and things like that. I didn't know at that time of my life, like there are creatives. Um, I know when I was younger, I danced and I always wanted to do hip hop dance. I used to watch Janet Jackson music videos and I would see that, but not even at that time were those classes available. There were no hip hop dance classes and that's what I wanted to do. So that's why I say now I feel like kids have such a better advantage of excelling in whatever field they want to do because, you know, other people have set those examples and we've progressed so much in the creative field uh, from when I was a child. So that just stuck with me in the third grade, like New York is where I want to be. And I've known since the third grade that New York is where I wanted to end up. It's just something that God told me that stuck with me. And I literally would think about it every day, even graduating from high school in 2005 I would write in the yearbooks like class of 2005 see you in New York and it's funny because people have mm -hmm. brought that back up to me like over the years for like throwback Thursdays and flashback Fridays and things like that with social media like I was just looking at my yearbook and you said in 2005 that you were going to be in New York and look at you now you're in New York so when I say when I got to New York I, I feel like I just fit right in I didn't complain you know I'm like this is where I know I need to be and eight years later I just made my eighth year anniversary my New York versary um, I'm still there really? and I love it and so I want to backtrack a little bit because you said you knew that this was like this was a calling for you and as you talk about I've, I've heard spirit of entrepreneurship and that's one of the things that Pastor Whalem always said in terms of creating wealth for our children and leaving wealth, replenishing the earth and our church's eightfold mission. And like he always speaks on the spirit of entrepreneurship and to tap into whatever gift that you have. And so I guess being a part of that house, you like how are you able to understand that you were supposed to be in that creative space? And what was the mindset for you to be in to be like, okay, I know I can make this creative space something that I can profit from and something I can make into a career, a profession. You know, I think we all have the spirit of entrepreneurship. It's just the people who actually tap into it and they step out on faith. But it's those certain people that actually tap into it that are able to be successful. Um, and I think some people just enjoy it. They do enjoy working for other people or they have um, a career where um, it's fulfilling. Like if you're a doctor per se or a physician, you have to work with other people in order to be successful um, for your goal. But then there are certain people who 
only want to work for themselves. And I just always have been a hustler and always have been that kind of person. And I honestly don't know where that was instilled in me or what example that I faced as a child um, that gave me that kind of hustler mentality. Um, I remember my very first job, I want to say 16 years old, I worked at Checkers, uh, which at that time was rallies. I'm showing my age again. Um, and, you know, my very first check, I remember I got paid and my mom, um, she worked at the bank. So we, she taught me at a young age, like budgeting. So I had to take 10% of my check, pay my tithes. I want to say I took another 10 to 15% of my check and I put it in my savings account. Then there was another percentage of my check that went to my bank. And this was at the age of 16. I understood this concept. And then I had a percentage of my check that I was allowed to do whatever with. So I remember she dropped me and one of my my church friends off at the mall. And at that time, Express was like really popular. I went to Express and I really just wanted this belt with like a metal buckle. It was just a square buckle. It was really popular. And I bought that belt and it was $40. And I remember going back home and my mom was just so upset that I spent $40 on a belt. And I'm like, I've worked for it. Um, you know, I've done everything you've asked me to do. This is the money that I allotted for this. And I remember that I ended up having to go back and return the belt because she was like, you don't need it, you know, and it was too much money. And I was yeah. always so upset about, about that because I'm just like, I've done everything I needed to do. But I think maybe that situation just made me you know be like you know what I gotta hustle now I need multiple streams of income because if and what she was trying to show me if this is your only job this is your only source of income because at that point you know my allowance has stopped once I got a job she was like you can't just blow your free money on things just because you have it like you still have to create wealth for yourself so I believe maybe around that time of my life I was just like I've just gotta do other things um in college again taking my photography background I was a hustler I didn't really have a job in college I worked for myself pretty much all of the four years that I was there and I came up with my own company called Exclusive Prints and basically I would go to events I would take pictures the promoters would pay me and then eventually like around my sophomore year I set up a backdrop at that time you know spray painted things mm -hmm. were popular so I went to the mall got a bed sheet and had that spray painted with like a logo that I had created. Um, and then I like literally had no idea what I was doing, but went to Home Depot, got lights. Um, I went to um, Best Buy and got a photo printer. I kind of tested it out at my home with the backdrop stand. And then I just became the picture guy and people would book me and I would travel from my college, Middle Tennessee State University. I went to TSU, Knoxville. Homecomings were really popular. And I just traveled um, mainly around the Tennessee area to take pictures. And that was my hustle. And I made really, really good money from that. So it was just kind of always instilled in me to make my own money and do my own thing. And I could say that I've been doing that for years now. I guess you can say your mom asked if you had McDonald's money, but that still didn't matter because you, <laughs> you didn't get to keep your McDonald's. <laughs> I, I, I definitely didn't get to keep it. I definitely didn't get to keep and, it. Yeah, you were told it's food at the house <laughs> after you got definitely. your McDonald's money. Yep. And so definitely. how would you 
how do you feel that being from your church and the teaching of true worship that that molded your mindset to become this business again quoting jay-z i'm not a businessman but i'm a businessman because obviously you were trapping across the state with this photography business and at home depot with spray paint which also might date you back a little bit because we've moved from the spray paint yeah, era we <laughs> for are. a little while now i, I did I, I did eventually move to a, a digital backdrop let's <laughs> <A step laughs> take repeat how do you feel that worship really consecrated your mind at this point and i also like to reference back to um episode two of Miss Sheila talking about like that mamba mentality, always keep it moving and not staying stagnant and just like refining your craft. And like she said, finding something that can make you money and then pray to God for it and let him bless it and watch it grow, which you did. Yeah. I mean, I think worship is extremely important. And I think that Pastor Whalen does a phenomenal job of not only teaching worship, but actually showing how to worship. I think having that work-life balance is extremely important. You can go out in the world and make all the money that you want to, but that doesn't make you happy. And and that doesn't fulfill you if you're not, you know, at a level with God on a spiritual level where you're able to just take the time away um, to give him thanks and to show him your appreciation and to put it back into the church, to put it back into your community, to help other people be able, you know, to have the wealth and the knowledge that you have. And if that's not shared, then really, like, what are we doing it for? Um, and I love this scripture from Philippians. Um, and it's just really kind of like what I go with as far as my faith, where it's like, um, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let the request be made known to God. And I take that and I always, I'm always talking to God, like we're best friends. <laughs> and I'm always mm-hmm. telling him like what I want, what I expect, I'm writing it down, I'm praying about it. And then through worship, he's able to show me and to reveal to me and his timing uh, what is best for my life to be able to set out. And that's just how I've been moving for so many years. And it's been so beneficial to me through worship to be able to be revealed the things that God, yes, this is perfect for me at this time. No, at this moment, this is not right. And worship really gives you that clear vision. So with your prayer, with your, with your worship, you're able to get in tune with your quote unquote star player with God. And instead of Dipping your toe into the waters, you pretty much ran around to the deep end. And people say that New York will make you or break you. And obviously, it's made you at this point because, again, you're still here. You're still flourishing. When I was reaching out to you, I was just like, okay, what time zone are you in? Even just looking at your Instagram, it was just like, you're here, you're there, non-disclosure agreement here, there. I say eventually I will want to get to a place where I'm giving out non-disclosure agreements. And so do you just sit for a moment and just like, oh, I'm actually, I actually did that. We did that. You know, I think it is important to reflect and that is something that I should work on, but I don't sit down and say, oh, I've 
been here. I've done that. It's normally people who will remind you in my mindset, I'm a workaholic. I'm always working. You know, when I'm done with the job, I'm done with it and I'm moving on to the next. So, you know, and I think that that's a way to also just keep you humble as well, which I think is extremely important an important quality mm-hmm. to have in the entertainment industry and just in life in general. You know, you, you've got to know that, yes, you know, I did that. I'm great at that. No one can do this better type of thing. But you also have to have this humility factor to you as a human to say, I still have the space and opportunity to learn more. How could I have done this better? How could I have excelled better in this field? And so I'm always like playing back things that I do, the work that I've done, what could have been better, especially in the celebrity styling world, which is is one of the toughest as a stylist in the wardrobe community, dealing with celebrities is one of the toughest things to do because not only are you dealing with different personalities through the talent, which is the celebrity, you're also dealing with their team of people, accountants, management assistants, and then on the flip side, you're dealing with their fans, how these people are looking to their hardcore fans of people who know when they go to sleep, you know, where they're going to be at all times. So it's just a whole lot of opinions about what you do. And when everybody is happy, it just lets you know that, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. Um, And because a lot of times you don't have a lot of time and people don't realize that when you see a celebrity step out on the red carpet, carpet and you go to critique, oh, I don't like this, I don't like that, or I don't like this hair. 10,000 things have happened before you see that final picture, and it might not have always worked out the way that the talent, the creative intended, you know? So I choose to give people a lot of grace because I know how my industry is to say that we are not perfect people, um, but we're just getting through, and I feel like that humility factor is extremely important to have. So you brought up a good thing on just like dealing with celebrities, dealing with their fans, different dealing with all the different moving parts, especially within styling, because you've seen on uh, the movie The Devil Wears Prada, it's just like, oh, you have to like make a call now and you got to go pick up X, Y, and Z from across town, or you have this connection somewhere here and they're holding this specific product for you. How do you, in reference to worship, operate within the wilderness? Because that may be also something to where, if this was my dream too, the pressures of just that moment might defer me. I think it just, it keeps me grounded. I will say that you know, based on my experiences with people and working with them again and again, a constant, I would say, a constant thing that they would say about me is that, and I think it has a lot to do with just me being from Memphis, me being raised, and me being Southern, that it's just like this Southern hospitality that we're able to have and this caring uh, demeanor that we're able to put on our work. And I definitely attribute that to Memphis, Tennessee, for sure. But, you know, I wouldn't do what I'm doing if I didn't love it, you know? And I think that that's extremely important Mm -hmm. in life because a lot of people are working jobs that they don't love. They're working with people that they don't love. And we're never going to have this perfect life. But as, you know, life is short, 
we owe ourselves the opportunity to be as happy as we can be. And I will say that I wake up every day with peace of mind. I wake up, I thank God for having peace of mind because I'm not stressed about, you know, having to go into a boss that doesn't appreciate my value. I work with a lot of people that appreciate what I do. And that's kind of like the best feeling. And that's, again, that entrepreneurship mentality. And you can definitely have that through a salary job or through a career, but you owe it to yourself to be happy. So that being said, when I'm going to my spaces and doing what I'm doing, I'm already fulfilled because I'm doing what I love. So therefore, that spirit, you know, emanates through my work and other people are able to pick up on my vibe. And I'm a very vibe and energy type of person, but especially because of what I do. You're dealing with, I'm dealing with people who have so much on their plate and society as the final, you know, yay or nay, if the person, if society likes what that person is doing or not. So I'm just coming in. I realize that I'm just one part of the mm-hmm. master plan and I'm just going in to do what I need to do. So as long as my part of this equation is straight and it's on point, then they're able to move forward in other ways. And I feel like worshiping through the wilderness allows me to have that because I have to pray every day, especially doing what I do to be able to have just this constant mindset um, to be able to do what I do. And, and worship definitely is a huge factor in that because I don't think if I didn't have the relationship with God that I have, that I would be able to do what I do. Absolutely. And so I want to kind of change the narrative a little bit. So what is the power of clothing and style that we don't see? Well, I think that, you know, there's so much that goes on that people don't see. So for what I do in terms of celebrity styling, I'll get a request. And the request would nine times out of 10 go through my management to say, hey, we want to book Harrison on a job. Let's say a press appearance, red carpet, because the client is in a new movie and they're walking the red carpet. Nine times out of 10, that call may come a week before. A week is actually great timing, but in reality, it's like you have 48 hours. So my job starts with sending emails and press contacts, which is a day of work, to send out requests to different brands, to different showrooms, to different designers to say, hey, I have, you know, this person who is walking the carpet of this to promote this. And there's a certain wordage that goes into it. But I would like to request, you know, ready to wear samples or spring summer collection or fall, winter, you know, resort or whatever the case may be. Um, And so then you start that conversation and then you're allowed certain things that are available through that brand. And based on what is allowed, I'm able to build an outfit off of that. I might not get a full look from Givenchy, you know, fall, winter 20. I may only get the jacket. So based on that, I then have to go through and find other things to accommodate that jacket to make it work. So there's just this whole process that people don't see. But on the red carpet, if you see a client in a Givenchy jacket, you know, and say a cushiony dress and you have an opinion about it, it's like, you know, it's 
it's just a whole process that you have to go through and it's a whole lot of opinions. And so what I do, what, what keeps me sane is that if I'm pleased with my work and what I'm doing and what I, where I'm trying to elevate and take the client, because I think in the faster community, it's, super, you know, important to be able to be a trendsetter, to be able to see people, see the client in a different light. Um, and as a stylist, we have the power to kind of push the limit, which is not always the case. But in my work, I try to have this effortless aesthetic of, you know, maybe I would have never put that together, but I like it. And I feel like that's what I'm good at, you know. And again, my calling as a stylist, I just have loved clothes since before I can remember, even in college. Um, because again, I used to shop a lot because of what I did. And I always just had cash mm -hmm. because I took pictures and I shopped a lot. So after I pledged, especially Kappa Alpha Psi, and I had 14 other line brothers, they would always borrow clothes from me. And it got to the point where I had to literally have like a list by my closet, a checkout list of saying, you know, so that I could keep track of who <laughs> had what. <laughs> and so, I mean, in that point, that was really me having a showroom. And I really probably could have been profiting off of that, but not realizing at the time. So it was just like all these little things that what happened at one point of my life are showing back up in my career to say, oh, that makes sense. Or, yeah, I do have experience doing that. Like I said, I did have experience styling because I was doing that with photography, but I didn't realize at the time how God was molding me to be prepared for later things in my life. So with styling, is it a re basically a reveal of personality? It's a reveal of personality. It's you know, it's it's a few things. And honestly, I think fashion is what you make it. We all have our own unique style and our style of fashion gives us our individuality. Some people love clothes. Some people hate clothes. Some people hate to go shopping and they wish that someone could do it for them. And then that's where I come in. I love it. And I, I can understand people's style based on visuals. I'm a very visual stylist to whereas I can look through pictures of someone, say, on social media. I can figure out exactly what they do like. And then I automatically know how to have them derive to another place to be able to take them um, through fashion. And I think it's just a gift. And it's something that I really can't explain, but it's something that I'm just good at and that I know what works for people. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. And it's extremely fulfilling for me. And I brought that up because in the Bible, when you have the woman with the issue of blood and she was trying to get into the path of Jesus, she wasn't trying like she wasn't trying to talk to him. She wasn't trying to be a groupie. She was going after the clothes. I think the women with the issue of blood, it was just a connection. It was just, you know, by touching the hem of his garment and being connected to him in that way, that was satisfying enough for her, you know, to be able to have that peace um, of his life or of his presence at that moment. And definitely, you know, clothing is able to do that for sure. Mm -hmm. And on the last note, you have a popular catchphrase. Matter of fact, I wouldn't say it's your tagline. If you are on the real house husbands of New York, your tagline, I would <laughs> think, would be by which you are accustomed to. 
I know. I when I heard it, I was just like, oh, this kind of. I was just like, let me write this down. Can you explain where that came from and how that kind of revolves and is threaded throughout your career, your personal life, just everything? Of course. So, I mean, outside of a career, I love television. I've had cable all of my life. Um, I know streaming is extremely popular now, but I pay my cable bill every month because I just love watching TV. And it's something that just gives me a departure away from career that when I come home, I'm able to turn my DVR on and watch all the shows that I've missed. I just love that entertainment aspect. And so that being said, I love reality TV. I watch all the Housewives, all the Love and Hip Hops. You name it, I watch it. And um, I forgot what season it was, but in watching uh, Housewives of Atlanta, there's this one like scene um, where Mama Joyce, which is Candy Barris's mom, is having a conversation with Candy about her now husband Todd Tucker. What basically was just like Candy needed to get a prenup because in a few years Todd is gonna be able to say about which I'm accustomed to because she wasn't feeling, you know, her relationship with. Uh, Todd and feeling like Todd was coming in to take Candy's money. But I took that one episode and that one line because even her saying that made me think by which you're accustomed to, which means that you're living your life in a certain type of way and a certain type of status to whereas you're able to say by which I'm accustomed to. Um, and that just was a, like a spiritual breakthrough for me because I'm like, by which I'm accustomed to, we deserve things in life we deserve to be accustomed to you know things and I took that into my career and, and it really just made me elevate you know as far as I do a lot of traveling for work and you know now like when people book my travel I deserve certain things on this travel because the next person or the person before then provided these things so now I'm I'm able to be accustomed to you know flights being paid for by the client in this type of caliber of hotel and this type of caliber of experience of working with me. So by which you're accustomed to just step with me. And I mean, I use it jokingly. I use it in my career. Um, I use it in, in everything because it's just a way of life. And why not, you know, through worship and through God, like we're accustomed to a lifestyle because we're God's children. And it puts us at mm -hmm. a status of being able to want and experience more because we are his children. You know, God put his son on the cross to die for us for our sins and, and just that alone, we're accustomed to this lifestyle that God has set up for us to be able to come back to him. And, you know, I'm all about living life in YOLO, living it to the fullest and just really being able uh -huh. to just get everything we want out of life because we always get one. And I mean, again, with the passing of Kobe Bryant, like it just, it came out of nowhere. And it's just a constant reminder that, you know, we're accustomed. We, you know, I will say that Kobe lived a full life, you know, and, and all the things that he was able to accomplish as one of the greatest basketball players in the world. But not only that, a great father, a great mentor, just a great stand-up human being. And, you know, he was accustomed to that. So, you know, I just take that into my life as well, you know, to be able to say that when it is my last day on earth that I'm able to leave a legacy and people are able to say those things about me as well. So basically answering to what you are called to do and Absolutely. tapping in and knowing that you are 
king or queen in whatever facet that you might be in and tapping into that promise that he'll give you exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ever think. And so on that, on that note, Harrison, by which we are accustomed to, I think we are, we have definitely had a, we have definitely had a great conversation. Can you let the people know how they can find you? Of course. Um, My name is Harrison Kite from Memphis, Tennessee, Midtown, South Memphis. Um, My Instagram is I am H Diddy. The P was taken, so (laughs) I had to take the H. And on Facebook, uh, my name is my name, Harrison T. Kite. Hello, podcasters. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast available on all major streaming platforms. And we'll be back next month, April 10th, for episode number four. Until next time, see you then.